is Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot gossip through the lens of your nosy neighbor. I'm your host and nosiest of neighbors, Millie Brooks. Thanks for joining us today. Our topic for this episode is Brexit. So we're going to go back to June 2016 when 51% of the UK voters said they wanted to leave the European Union and essentially withdraw the UK as part of the EU. Fast forward to October 17th, 2019, the UK government and EU agreed to revise the withdrawal agreement with new arrangements for Northern Ireland. Parliament approved the agreement for further scrutiny, but rejected plans to pass it into law before an October 31st, 2019 deadline and forced the government through the Ben Act to ask for a third Brexit delay. So we're going back and forth, back and forth, up and down, all around the town about this Brexit. Um, Fast forward one more time to December 12th, two weeks ago. An early general election was then held. The Conservatives won a majority in that election with Boris Johnson declaring that the UK would leave the European Union in early 2020. The mess that is Brexit would soon come to a devastating closure of leaving the EU. And to discuss this British tragedy is political activist and artistic director of Gobbledygook Theatre and lifelong resident of Christchurch, England, Lorna Rees. Welcome, Lorna. Hi, Millie. It's so great to have you. Thanks for asking me. Oh, this is going to be great. I I just think you're the perfect person to be talking to this stuff about. Um, First question, which is the question I ask all of my guests. Okay. Do you have any neighborhood gossip? you can share with the group oh it's really tricky see we have an we have an amazing street here we like to think of ourselves as the bohemian quarter of christchurch (laughs) why is that just because we're there's um i think there's like three art teachers and uh dance teachers just on this tiny bit of street Mm. my husband um is is works for the theater company but he's also a drama teacher um like it's very yeah. arty, um, next door's an art teacher. So it's, it's pretty, you know, there's... You guys are edgy. We're, well, for Christchurch, we're really edgy. Edgy, yes. Edgy, yes. like, you know, in and out of each other's homes mm-hmm. and stuff. So I can't say anything too much, but I know that over the road, um, they don't live there anymore, but they, um, there was this really big family had moved in. Mm. And really, really nice people, and I'd have lots of chats with them, you know. But then they just disappeared. They did a midnight flip. What? And then for years, or like the last, well, it must be about nine months or so, they've received like the, the, all the debtors, um, the letters, like debt collectors turning up on the door. So like big gossip in terms of that. And so wow. the neighbourhood has been, well, I wouldn't say it's been a flame, but, but... And we feel sorry for the people that kind of just left. So they just got up and left. They just went. In the middle of the day. Escaped, well, I think later. In the night. Na- yeah. Night. They just escaped um, in order to escape the debt. Unfortunately, the, the debt oh kind of stays gosh. with you. So, so that was a big gossip for Christchurch. Wow. Um, wow. Else? There's the odd party that goes on a bit loud. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes foxes wail loudly. It's not foxes. The the byline. When they wail. <laughs> foxes when they're mating they wail quite oh, loudly. Oh wow, like cats. Yeah. Oh, like wow. really disturbingly loud and like Ooh. like humans sometimes. Yeah. Unearthly. Like sounds. you're not sure if it's going well or going sour. Yeah, definitely yeah. like that. Wow. <laughs> That's but great. It's, Christchurch is a really interesting place because it's um often you know in papers and things it's called the the most um you know the most uh, happy place to live in the country mm. the byline for Christchurch is where time is pleasant wow Christchurch where time is pleasant now that is sort of damning with faint praise I think yes pleasant yes. pleasant I want to have an exceptional exciting energizing time right it's just gonna be pleasant here <laughs> That's nice. all you can expect. It's nice. Yeah. Well, and also it's a little, you know, rooted in some history that might want to be forgotten, yeah. too, you know? Um, well, let's move on to that. That's a great segue for my next question. What is it like to live in the safest, safest Tory seat in the country? So we are, we are really lucky now, because of the recent election, we are no longer the safest Tory seat in the country, but for a long time we have been. So we've had the highest um, conservative majority um, in, in the UK. Okay. Um, which is... In the town of Christchurch. In, the t- in this constituency. So mm-hmm. the, the, the town of Christchurch and then some outlying areas in more rural parts of Dorset. So Ferndown and um, uh, kind of St Ives and, and St Leonard. So there's some outlying areas. Mm-hmm. But it's quite a big bit of um, countryside. But yeah, we have been the safest seat, which means that for many of us, we feel like our views are not represented in Parliament. Mm. Because... The guy that's uh, our local MP, so in England we have uh, members of parliament and they represent us, he has such a big majority, he can essentially, or feels that he can do essentially anything he likes. Mm. And, I mean, my my concern is that's not very good for representative democracy because our representative feels he has carte blanche to do anything, say anything, that actually many of us find pretty repulsive many yeah. of the things he does yeah so he has and a, who is this is this chope uh, yeah his name is sir christopher chope christopher chope i kind of dropped the sir yeah I, like why is he sir has he been i think it was some it, kind of political finagling on his part i think they maybe thought it might um, neutralize his bad behavior oh gosh um, in parliament everyone was baffled as to why he, does that mean he's been knighted yeah, so he's been knighted. It doesn't mean he automatically goes to the House of Lords, is my understanding. Mm. But he is a sir. Like, people are so baffled by it. Because oh, wow. he's awful. It's so bad. Oh, God. So as, as, my feeling is that maybe it was to neutralise him um, a little bit. Theresa May, at the, our Prime Minister at the time, was just trying to, um, you know, get rid of this troublesome priest a little bit. So yeah. just try and get, it, get him to stop being such a pain. Right. I'm not sure that happened. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah, so he's he's a sir. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, really shocking. What what did he what was his troubled past that they needed to neutralize? So he's done lots of things where he he's had a problem for a long time with something we call private members bills. And they are people trying to the backbenchers that are trying to bring in bills into parliament to become legislation which are not the they're not what the government's agenda has been. 
So it's really great things often, or small things that might make a big difference to lots of people. Things like um, not charging carers that go to hospitals parking charges or excessive mm. parking charges. Mm-hmm. If their partner's in a hospital for cancer treatment for a long time, for six months, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be thousands of pounds worth of parking charges. Yeah. So it's, you know, people trying to introduce a bill to stop that happening. Yeah. And what Christopher Chope has done is um, consistently objected to private members' bills because he oh, doesn't wow. like the bureaucratic way that Parliament processes them. However, he also then introduces his own private members' bills. Mm. So I think he had 47 in the last round of Parliament. So he does his own things, and he never objects to his friends' bills. So it's this hypocritical... Um, Clearly it has his own agenda. Very clear situation. agenda. And a very right-wing agenda at that. Mm. So he's objected to bills. It, there's this amazing guy, you, you might have seen films about him, Alan Turing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, Cumberbatch played him. Um, but he was gay. And he was um, prosecuted for being gay. Um, mm. so, sought to chemically castrate himself. And then killed himself. Oh, because he wow. was he was prosecuted, so it was just this awful situation. This war hero chemically castrated oh, himself. Her, poor man. That's that sounds like. And, and oh. imagine that you're the you're a war hero. You've changed the course of the um of of World War Two. Yeah, you've done all this amazing work. You're one of the brightest brains that's reinvented all this computing. You know, incredible man. And then you you die in that way at your own hand because of this or because of your sexuality. Wow. Now they sought to have a royal pardon for that. Brought in as a private members' bill, Christopher Chope objected to it. Mm. But also there's legislation like he's objected to any kind of um, same sex equal rights, like civil mm. partnerships or gay mm. marriage, um, equaling consent. You know, ki- kids in the UK find it baffling now that um, there used to be different ages of consent for gay sex to straight people's sex. Oh, uh, wow. To heterosexual sex. Yeah. And, you you know, you could be prosecuted if you were under 18 and, and having sex. So he, That's crazy. He, whereas he was fine to, like, keep smoking in, in public bars and things. That's fine. Yeah. Like, let's be really liberal about that, but let's not allow people that love each other to get married. I just... Yeah. Baffling, yeah. really right-wing. And then the big one was that um, last year, 2018, he um, he objected to an upskirting bill. Mm. So it's brilliant legislation. Oh, and that's oh. the upskirting is when people are taking photographs of yeah. women's... Women's knickers. Knickers yeah. up their skirt. Absolutely. And he stopped that. So or he, he rejected he, that bill. He objected to it. It was the only voice in Parliament. And mm. he, they, they read out the bill. And the woman that was trying to... She's a brilliant campaigner, Gina Martin tried to have a word with him before and explain the bill and as a point of principle he said I'm objecting to this he just objected in parliament the country was outraged because one man could stop that legislation's path through the house of parliament which is it's shocking right that shouldn't yeah. be the case yeah that one guy standing up can stop that happening it was brilliant legislation it was about a horrific kind of misogynistic crime that yeah. pretty much always affect you know the only yeah. people generally affected are women yeah and often young women at festivals there's kind of yeah. a gaggle of guys or on the tube like yeah. pretend to drop their phone taking pictures of your pants it's horrible yeah and i've tracked chope's career and written him letters as my mp for years however that was the moment i went what that can't carry on yeah um and so I, uh, I put some knickers, I made some knicker bunting and I put it on his offices Yeah. and it just said, um, no one should be able to photo my pants unless I want them to. 
Wow. Because I think, you know, consent, that's an yeah. important thing. Yes. But I thought, oh, this this might make my friends in the Bohemian Quarter of Christchurch <laughs> laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but then um, it went viral. This wow. this photo of some pants that I thought like a few mates on Twitter might. So you went to his offices, his and... constituency offices, and I just strung up these pants. Wow. And um and I turned off my phone for a couple of hours. Good for you, Lorna. When it honestly, I had it was like thirty thousand retweets, like on Facebook everywhere, and then like the next couple of days, it was in every national news broadsheet, tabloid oh my press. Gosh. It was in the Sun and the Mirror and oh. the Guardian and. I was on, um, we have uh, BBC Radio 2, and I was on the radio about it. I was, oh, my gosh. I was on Al Jazeera TV. Like, it was just... You blew up. <laughs> it was nuts. You were internet famous. I was internet famous. That's great. And, like, in, in the UK, we still have this great store by um, what our printed press say about things. It was, like, the top quote in the sun, on the mail on Sunday. Like, it was just... Oh, my gosh. I've, you know, I make very carefully considered artwork is my, you know, my job. Yeah. But, um, like, this quick knicker bunting that I <laughs> just sewed up together. Threw you to the top. Yeah. But wow. But he'd never had, he'd clearly had n- nothing like it in his past, in his, mm-hmm. you know, in his political career. Because of the safe seat that Christchurch is, he'd never had such a rough ride given by his constituents. And mm. the opprobrium heaped upon him was really unfamiliar to him I think so Mm. so at least there was a kind of challenge yeah Um, and then every time he's done something really egregious over the last sort of year or so especially with private members bills like he he objected to some some female genital mutilation legislation oh my gosh that's just so basic basic stuff that's stuff that like even you know parts of Africa have already like (laughs) and we just want to try and help make sure that this doesn't happen to young women and this bill is going to really help people that and carefully worded really really carefully thought through bill that he's objected to and stopped its progress so yeah, I did. I put some knickers. I put some really carefully worded knickers that were a little bit wordy. And then by the end, I was just like, Fanny's against FGM on yeah. some pants. Like, pop it That's up there. That's amazing. He's done things like, um, oh, he said something in a in a committee about, oh, these, these young people in inner cities, uh, surely they just need to learn judo and that will help them. They just need to run faster and learn judo. Oh my gosh! That's, that's how all of all of the inner city problematic. Oh my! Um, the martial art. Yeah. Judo. Yeah. Let's give them some what? more combat skills. Great idea. Oh my gosh! So I put like a judo outfit, like a you know when there's the yeah. um, the jackets. Yeah. And I kind of just wrote this thing about mate. There's there's lots of ways to solve knife crime, but judo ain't one of them. And, <laughs> and um and again these things like they they have often got a little bit of press attention or like maybe in the mirror or different um yeah and like all the local papers, but this kind of unassailable safety is problematic and and he is also an incredibly keen um, Brexiteer. Mm. He um was quite happy to have a hard Brexit. We had this um very strange moment. Uh, in uh, before the election, a couple of months before the election, where Parliament was essentially shut down, mm. they prorogued Parliament, and um, which was then deemed to be illegal. And lots of us went out on the street and protested about that. But he was a keen advocate for the prorogation of Parliament, and and it just seems to me like he's he's a stickler for process on one side, but mm. then he wants to prorogue Parliament. 
He's a he's a very problematic, yeah, quite dangerous person. Yeah, a little inconsistent with his rules. So hypocritical. Wow. So hypocritical. So we try and be. I I suppose I I feel like the self styled resistance. Yes, <laughs> it's got to start somewhere. Somebody's got to say something, and then yeah, and then you kind of build this thing up. But yeah, it's been. It's been but you're giving voice to the people who have been silenced. Or feel like they're in the minority. Yes. You know, and, and don't have a voice, which is important. And we are in the minority where we yeah. live. And and actually, as the, um, as the election shows, we're in the minority in the wider country as well. Right, which right. Which I feel desperately sad about, but um, there are certainly lessons to be learned. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, tell <laughs> us about your recent nope to chope art installation <laughs> that you set up around Christchurch. So I'd had it in my head, this idea that um, that we are the safe seat, the safest conservative seat in the country. And lots of people are in that a similar situation, but I thought, well, what can we do about it? What would be a creative response? And at one point I, th- I thought, oh, maybe I could stand as an independent candidate and I'd dress up as a big chair, you know, like a big kind of armchair and I could, I'd be really good at the hustings. And the, <laughs> the hustings are like this informal, um, like gathering of all the political candidates that stand yeah. in your area and you get to kind of debate the points. So yeah. it's like a big kind of oh, I love it. presidential debate. Anyway, I didn't do that because I thought, oh, it's a bit, I mean, I'm pretty silly as a person, but it <laughs> felt a little bit too silly. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, well, what, what else could I do? And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to have, to use this idea of safe seats and just have them all over the constituency? Mm. And so I did it. So I got loads of chairs from different places all over the, um, like, different um, local Like resale, tips. consignment. Yeah. Wow. Friends donated chairs. Wow. I kind of mobilised across Christchurch. I thought I'd do 28 because that was the number of days of the election campaign. We ended up doing 50. Wow. And on them, I hand, I saw a sign of sign written, really quite, like, some of them quite sensible phrases, like, nope to chope, and, but many of them with some kind of riffing on this idea of it being a chair. So mm-hmm. things like, um, vote cheerfully. <laughs> Uh, don't keep chope sitting pretty. You know, they're That's pretty so bad, some of them. It's <laughs> really good, though. Some a little bit more song, like we've got Love Will Chair Us Apart. Oh, um, gosh. Like, there's, there's like a litany. So quippy. The terrible gags. Like, they're so great. I love <laughs> it. just all so, had, Such a great response. A lot of them had, um, I'm trying to look at some. Hashtag uh, nope to chope. Hashtag nope to chope. Everything had that on. Mm-hmm. And then some had things like policies. So I've got one that looks a bit like it was maybe a hospital chair about like the carer's bill that he voted against. Yeah. Some had equal rights legislation being the main thing. Another one was all about, um, he voted to sell off the national forest, like privatise our forests. Wow. Um, like there's just some, you know, it was things that was worth pointing out and the thing about the upskirting was worth pointing out some of the ways he'd voted so mm-hmm. people locally know about it. But I pretty much love the quips. It's so great. It's so great. So we just left them in public space in different places and things like um, uh, don't uh, keep uh, him sitting pretty, like vote uh, and and voting about, um, you know, register to vote. In the UK, you have to make sure you're registered to vote. So Mm -hmm. we'd kind of have them near a school and just like with a sixth form to make sure that they were going to vote. And so the idea was that it would just be a kind of silly way and a, a playful way of 
you know, it's showing up, it's a safe seat, mm-hmm. but we could do something about it. Yeah. And this whole note to Chope idea, um, again, just kind of went fairly viral. Yeah. But loads well, of people Well, I mean, if I looked it. at your Facebook profile, <laughs> like, on the way over here, and it was just, like, chair after just chair. Just. There was so much support. Everybody was like, the brilliant Laura Reese strikes again with another chair. And, like, posting these chairs all over... Well, the beauty... The constituency. The beauty was that people could get involved. So you know how um, lots of people have, like, yard signs in their front gardens mm-hmm. for political parties? And I know you have it in the, in the yes. US as well. So instead of, like, Democrat or Republican, we had a chair instead. Oh. And actually, that meant, like, the front gardens became, like, a political site and also yeah. a, a, a site of artistic installation. So people put... Um, fairy lights around them oh that's um, great and they cherish their chairs there's still a few out in town because somebody had gone around and taken lots of the chairs away from public space okay um or there was a couple that got smashed up or was like we yeah what, the castle. what type of vandalism happened <laughs> cherilism that's bad Cheralism. it's not right it's bad it doesn't work um, yeah there was some, one got smashed up and then just a lot got kind of Removed. Mm. There was like a, a night of the long knives when lots of them got mm. taken away. Disappeared. Yeah. But mm. then we thought, well, actually, let's leave them in places that are, you know, a bit more stable in people's front gardens. Yeah. Um, which was hugely successful, but it also meant that anybody that had one of the chairs was posting about it. So this kind of campaign could filter into so many other people's news feeds on their Facebook. Oh, I love it. Because Facebook's such a powerful way of um, communicating with your direct community. Yeah. yeah. So all those school mums that have put them in the, you know, we got one on the road, one of the local big primary school. We got one in her front garden. Oh. And so everybody that walked past Katie's house then saw the chair, was taking the photo of it, was talking about it, talking about who they're voting for. So... In the end, we had these 50 chairs against Chope that had gone out into the constituency. Mm-hmm. I suddenly realised I'd been on this kind of ridiculous journey of, like, making this huge constituency-wide art installation mm-hmm. <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with 50 different sites. Yeah. And then and then the kind of... The brilliance of people kept taking pictures of them. So anytime they saw them, they were like, oh, we've seen another one. And there's one down on Christchurch Key and... One got looked after. It lasted the whole election um, campaign on Mudderford Quay. And for those of you that don't know, Mudderford Quay is this beautiful tourist spot with lots of very picturesque lobster pots. Mm. And you can see over to Hengisbury Head. And it's really, it's a very stunning part of the, yeah. of the world. But we had a chair there. <gasps> and so loads of people were walking past it all the time and they take pictures. And then, sorry, it's so exciting yeah. to me that people so did this. So great. People were putting their own chairs out in their front gardens. Oh, wow. So then they were making their own posters that said nope to Chope. Wow. And they were putting their own chairs out with pictures of Chope saying nope to Chope on them. And then somebody used um, lots of the slogans from the campaign that I'd written and um, Christchurch deserves better and vote cheerfully and things. She's, she's, um, she then got a load of stickers printed like they do in Berlin on um, lampposts. Yeah. Stickered all of the lampposts around West Christchurch. And it was just wow. everywhere. And somebody at the, at the Hustings, this meeting, she'd also made her own campaign literature and then cut it out in the shape of knickers. Um, oh, that's great. The attention to detail. I was just... And I feel so profoundly thankful that people had taken really the idea. It really caught wind. It was really? amazing. That's amazing. So although, you know... Th- 
Although he still has a massive majority, and that was a bit depressing on Friday morning. So, it, 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 unfortunately, the election did not... Unfortunately, he is still our MP. It, it would be, you know, any sophologist will say um, that there is no way he was not going to be our MP. And that's sad, but there we are. That's what mm-hmm. happens. And I'm, I'm sad that people, I, I, they voted for the party and not the man. Yeah. Lots of people communicate with me and say, oh, we just can't vote elsewhere. We don't want to lend our vote to some another party, but we do hate choke for you, Lorna, don't worry. Yeah. But, honestly, the groundswell of support for the campaign, the amount of people that contact me say how much it made them smile. Yeah. The people that had registered to vote for the first time, that weren't going to vote the same way as their husbands for the first time. Mm. Because obviously we live in the 1950s. Right, um, right. I was like, what? Yeah. Would you just yeah, vote you what your husband votes? don't have to vote the exact same way <laughs> that your on, husband ladies. has. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But it just had a huge impact. And one of the um, local papers put us on the front page. And it was a weekly newspaper. So it was then on the front page for the that whole week. Wow. You know, things like that have been really powerful. Really, yeah. like, really kind of joyful. And you planted the seed. Yeah, and I it was so. you and art and just like one idea. Yeah, that just like grew and grew and grew. And um, and I should say, I I assembled um, I have uh, some really amazing mates again in this what I like to think of as our uh, little bohemian community. Yes, <laughs> your bohemian alley right the, here. They're the really cool people. Yes. So some of them um, actually live kind of uh, in another place. I've got my friend Alison lives um further up in the constituency, but she's a brilliant um academic and and uh she works in a museum so she was on my side and she was kind of putting stuff on twitter as well and then my friend simon and beth they um they bought the website that was um www.chrischope.co.uk so it redirected to our blog site about wow. safe seats so people could find out more about him and his voting record which was that was very funny um you, we, it was just like a, a organized disrupt yes, campaign it was disruption disruption yeah. and joy i try and do lots of stuff that's disruptive and joyful so yeah. it was funny because it made people smile even if you didn't agree with the politics it maybe started the conversation mm-hmm. i had this team my mates amy and jimmy helped me with like copywriting and, and um jimmy's a really good um photographer so we took some really nice but we had some deck chairs yeah that we made some deck chairs against chope so we had this beautiful image of those and and like when nice images you mean it means you get your campaign the idea out there so much yeah. further yeah so it's kind of remarkable it also meant that this this um chairs against chope committee it meant that i could be the chair the chair, the chair, the chairwoman of the chairs against Oh my god! So, like, I've done a lot of seat gags. I love it. Um. I love it. Um, well, I want to ask you a couple of questions about specifically Brexit. Of course, yeah. Um, share with us some of the things that you loved about being part of the European Union. Like, what? Tell us, give us a small glimpse into what the benefits were um, before all this happened. Absolutely. So we have had amazing ability to move country. Should we want to, we can go, we could go anywhere we want, but also go on holiday with no restrictions and also work without restrictions. You mean travel, like go and come and go as you please? Come and go as you please. So obviously in in the US, you can go anywhere you want across your amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, North America, you know, your your country, obviously it's Canada too, but you know, without needing a passport. And Europe, we could, we could still required our passport, but we could go anywhere. 
and um, you didn't need like a six month visa no. or a three month visa or no visa required visa. yeah and that meant this kind of communication was amazing now I run a theatre company who do lots of outdoor theatre and in England there's a lot of rain and it's pretty cold in the winter months so we have a otherwise we have a kind of quite a short season so by working in Europe and other places it means that we have a much longer season and yeah. also some of the best street theatre in the world is made in France and in Belgium and there's the huge street theatre in culture which is very European mm -hmm. which I identify as very much a part of now when Brexit Oh, well, I was going to say beforehand, but ba basically companies like mine would be able to go and work in Europe with yeah. no impediment. We'd have this brilliant cross-fertilisation of talent, yeah. um, people working across borders. We'd bring shows over to the UK and we'd see the best of French circus work. Yeah. And that interaction was amazing. Now You can reach, your reach is larger. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it informs your work. And, you know, I'm making l work that's less... Um, less based in language mm -hmm. so it translates to lots of different environments and lots of different countries and the, uh, yeah because yeah. The, I mean the main text that you would be working with is mostly music yeah correct yeah, yeah. often music and sound mm -hmm. but where there is language I can employ a German act you know I've worked on right. sites in Germany and I just get Frank to come in and he can do the translation we do clever things with that and yeah it, it's just a very international community that I work in and but very specifically European yeah is a real thing also the benefits to the UK are are huge you know we, we have um mates from all over Europe and 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 the world but yeah there's the very key thing um, yeah. about being part of that continent that has given us funding cultural funding pots yeah. have been really important to some of the most deprived areas of the UK. Yeah. But, but lots of cultural funding has come through um, yeah. European funding. Wow. And that's, yeah. That's great. That's all going. Yeah, so that's all, there's going to be no more funding for, like, cultural that activities or yeah. cultural, like, when you say cultural, what do you mean? So specifically with my work, it's about um, outdoor arts programs, so mm. big spectacles, big things that happen in street theatres. Um, I I often say um, I make outdoor work because it's the most democratic, because nobody has to pay for it when they see it. Right. They're just walking on the street and they see the work and it's there. And if they don't like it, they can go. And if they do love it... And they can stay and yeah. watch. And yeah. now in, in, the, in England, like... Lots of our taxpayers' money goes into the Royal Opera House or the National Theatre, which are fantastic, but there are lots of barriers to many people attending those, whether that's class or culture or, or financial. Mm -hmm. Whereas you put a load of that work in the street, any, literally anyone can see it's it. It's so accessible. So accessible, and I love it, and I get really excited about making that work. Whereas... Um, yeah, a lot, and lots of that work's been cross-funded and, and developed with European money. So that won't all stop, but it feels really sad that um, some of the easy the barriers to working easily in mm -hmm. nations will um, be harder have dried up. Yeah. And I now I had when Brexit happened or was was uh, the vote came out, I lost three gigs in France. Wow! Like, just like immediately, because wow. from their point of view, they were saying, "Well, why should we make?" Oh, you know, they were feeling hurt. Why should we make alliances with English companies? Right. Now, I don't... I, I think that was a, you know, 
a, a big a reaction knee from jerk them. Reaction. A knee-jerk reaction. And I think we will, you know, we are so committed to Europe that um, as a sector, we will try and we will desperately find the best way to make those links. But it's definitely harder. Yeah. And some of my peers in other companies, the problems of getting the visas, Ugh. the amount of time you spend in your, you know, it's just... This paperwork. Level of oh my goodness. Yeah. I There's could, so many hoops you've got to jump through. I could be sat at a border for three days in order, if we have a no-deal Brexit, which is our big worry, I, I would say, mm-hmm. because that's this is for medicines and... Lots of trade or So anything. much trade, food, like mm-hmm. all of our trade goes through just a few ports, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be sat at a, a border for, you know, for... Th- three days, oh. then travel over, and then sit at a border for another three days. Now, it becomes financially not not possible to, to do that. Wow. We, we were just in Berlin, and, um, yeah, the, the cultural things we share are so important and with our European neighbours, and it feels gutting. Yeah. It feels like, a, like the rug's been pulled away from us yeah. and from our children, and that safety and security that we're sharing that commonality of interest yeah has disappeared wow and yeah go ahead i suppose it's not it's not like the european union is not without criticism right could it's not perfect not perfect and that kind of neoliberal agenda um that i have concerns about and mm-hmm. lots you know many left-wing politicians have had concerns about but and when you say neoliberal agenda tell me more about that i suppose i I suppose it's from the point of, um, in its simplest form, that it's all about growth. Mm-hmm. The idea is that we must constantly grow as an economy and, and constantly, and and the wealthier, the wealthy keep getting wealthier, mm-hmm. and that's going to filter down somehow. And I'm just not sure that that's necessarily always what's mm-hmm. happening. How it happens? Yeah, yeah. So I think there could be, um, yeah, yeah. A, there could be some of that um, criticism levied at it very bureaucratic mm-hmm. very bureaucratic and there is some you know that the there is a bit of a democratic deficit some uh, you know you could i could see how you'd interpret it that way yeah but i'm an environmentalist you know i, I work loads with earth scientists yeah and if you've suddenly got this huge chunk of population you can make policy for on a massive level we could help sort out so many environmental problems by mm. just making legislation in the european parliament and that is such a lost opportunity now for our, whatever, 65 million people in the UK. Yeah. We're no longer 600 million people in Europe. Right. And that's right. such a loss. Yeah. I feel that. I'm so worried about that. Yeah. So environmentally, this is a, a catastrophe. A big hit. A big, a big hit. hit. And I mean, how, it, how else has Brexit... You know, Brexit has clearly divided the country. How has it also affected you personally? I think it's that thing. is my neighbours, my friends, you know, people that are now really thinking about leaving the country. Wow. Um, my... Uh, Where would they go? Where are they thinking well, about? Well, they might, um, you know, in inverted commas, go home, back to Poland or mm. back to... But my, my sister, my eldest sister, is. Um, she lived in Italy for many like 15 20 years of her life she has uh, an italian daughter or born in italy daughter she she's a translator that's her job she lives in scotland now 
her work is absolutely wow. screwed. Like she's yeah. fucked. <laughs> she's yeah, and she's just completely squelched. Yeah, it's awful. Like, yeah, it's an absolute fucking disaster for Dani. So yeah. I just that's terrible in itself. Um, so like, there's personal things, but also the country feels like it's veered to the right massively to the right mm. there's a kind of dog and whistle politics going on the day after the brexit vote so my my husband's dad was from india um adam got asked where he was from now he's from no. yeah yeah day after suddenly it's okay to ask those questions again and the rise of um racism so there's the, yeah so there's this like foreigner like yeah threat they yeah. feel and In suddenly it's okay to have those conversations that actually it become not okay to ask those questions. Yeah. And there was just felt there was no coincidence that those two things happened. So on a personal level, like I have friends who are having a crapper time, whether it's because their accent or their first language, their native language is not English yeah. or because they might look different. Mm. And these things are not joined up, but wow. there is a, there's a huge rise in hate crime in the UK. Wow. And, and it is that lurch to the right that the country has, that Brexit has somehow signalled. Yeah. And that is terrifying. Yeah. And, um, and the austerity it might well bring, because there's a huge, let's not be in any doubt, the predictions are that we will become a poorer nation with yeah. Brexit. Yeah. Um, that's frightening. Yeah. It's really frightening for people. But that, yeah, it's Definitely. the lurch to the right that scares yeah. me stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so... I mean, because Boris Johnson is so gung-ho on getting Brexit done, <laughs> which is a phrase that he's been using every repeatedly. Press. Well, it's like, it's like make America great again. Yeah. Like, everybody knows it. Like, it's been a masterstroke. It's his Horrific masterstroke. Yeah. Wow. Everybody says it. Well, we're going to get Brexit done, though, Lorna. We've got to oh. get Brexit done. Like, oh, no! Gosh. I mean, what cha- types of changes do you expect to see? So I think there'll be short-term problems when we go out. The, the um, things like medicine supplies, mm-hmm. a lot of medical supplies getting over. There will be, there'll just be time, I think. And then the, we'll, there'll be bumps in, yeah. in the path. There'll be things of like, <laughs> loads of us went and bought lots of um, toilet roll. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were told like, you might run out of loo roll. Oh my gosh. Things like supply chains and stuff. Now, I'm hoping that they're going to get it together. And There's it just going to be a fine. scarcity of certain yeah. resources. Um, and we won't necessarily know. But I think the big thing is actually it's about business. It's about the economy. Will mm. um, will it look like it will shrink? Certainly in the short term. Yeah. I think some people will make, the, the uh, being called disaster capitalists, may well make quite a lot of money out of that. Oh, wow. Because they'll be trading. Um, but we don't know. And that's the other thing. Uncertainty isn't good for anyone, right? Mm-hmm. So... There's a lot of uncertainty. But it's happening. Mm-hmm. I still have friends that say, but it might not happen. Like, no, yeah. no, guys, the elections happen now. Yeah. This is definitely happening. Yeah. And there's no point going on more marches. And this is done. And it's sad. I'm, I've done a lot of grieving for it. Yeah. But it's happened. Yeah. So now we have and to it, work out know, what's like, next. And, you know, even within, like, when, when Trump got elected... Like, shortly after Brexit was Mm. decided in 2016, we had an election four months later, and, you know, our country, you know, shifted way to the right, you know, and we, you know, the change was palpable in the air Mm. the day after. People were, you know, people are sad, they're not... um, The morale is down, Mm. you know, and it affects... 
it affects the the atmosphere yeah. of the country and people start to then I guess mimic the voice that they're hearing a lot. Yeah. You know, and and it's racist and it's yeah. misogynistic yeah. and it's it's just terrible. You know, it's all of the above. Yeah. And it's um it it gives a voice to to these hateful hateful thoughts and history too like it's bringing all of this to the surface again leadership is so incredibly important and having somebody that is measured and thoughtful in what they say is is really crucial mm-hmm. and and statesman like behavior begets more statesman like behavior right and unfortunately with i think we share now people that shoot from the hip right. say what they like um you know Boris Johnson I mean the oft repeated thing is we don't we don't know how many children he has he has multiple partners and like you kind of look at this kind of treatment of women in his life maybe they're all very happy with it but it's sort of kind of interesting in itself Um, he is he's populist the one ray of light I suppose there might be because I try always to look for joy in everything and um is that well? There's a few rays, rays of hope actually. There's um, there's the fact that we've got a kind of resistance now. Actually, yeah. we can build up something. We've got a really quite a clear yeah. foe in a way, um, and that's maybe quite clear cut. But also Boris Johnson, when he was London Mayor, was you know lots of people would say he he was a relatively liberal, socially liberal person, mm-hmm. um, because he's definitely part of that metropolitan elite. Mm-hmm. He was you know went to school at Eton and, you know, had a yeah. very privileged upbringing. Um, yeah, may, maybe that might mean on social policy now he's got such a big majority in Parliament, it might mean that he can sack off some of these horrible right-wingers like our MP. Right. He can kind of say, no, I don't agree with you, I don't really need your vote that badly, so I can do what I want to do and what yeah. my, my personal decision is to do. So that... That might be good. I'm yeah. catching at straws right, a bit. Right. <laughs> Along with the other liberals are like, oh God. Yeah. And it's a bit like grief, like you were saying in America, like mm-hmm. the election, you kind of feel like, oh, what the hell? Right. How has this happened? Right. Um, but I hope that the left reorganise and yeah. kind of work some stuff out for themselves. Mm-hmm. and Take it as an opportunity to recalibrate. Yeah. Recalibrate a bit. Maybe you know find somebody that's more palatable to your general mm-hmm. voter yeah um yeah it's the only possible hope for you know we, we need we need a really strong labor party and yeah um, and unfortunately maybe listen to themselves a bit too much um right and, and maybe over promised you know there was this kind of free wi-fi was basically going to promise free wi-fi i think for a lot of people that i spoke to about the election that was the moment they're like this is an over promise yeah <laughs> Free Wi-Fi. Free Wi-Fi. <laughs> now, like in, I can see, like, it's, there was a lot of brilliant reasons behind giving free Wi-Fi because it would stimulate the economy. You know, there was lots yeah. of carefully reasoned out things. But people didn't hear that. Yeah. They heard free Wi-Fi, it's an over-promise. So the nuance, like, learning to be less nuanced in a way and a bit more... Um, you know learn some stuff about marketing yeah <laughs> which is such a shame but yeah so I, I well this I mean this does lead me to my next question um great you know rainbows are followed by intense storms yeah so do you see anything good coming from out all of this besides you know 
the Labour Party becoming a little bit more organised and recalibrating? I feel like there is now a really clear, um, there's a clear path to getting better, getting the world better. Mm -hmm. We can really see the dangers of um, not pulling together. Yeah. Often the left, and I find it within feminism, with environmentalism movements that I'm yeah. kind of part of those movements, or I would identify myself to be part yeah. of those movements. We tear you each can't, other apart. Yeah, we, we, eat, our, we eat our own, We man. do. Yeah. And, and I look at things on Twitter, I'm like, you are all from the same position. Yeah, and we're all, all on the same team. And you've kind of got this technical thing that you're freaking out about that actually nobody else gives a shit about. Yeah. So let's absolutely start fucking pulling together. Yes. <laughs> Just get there. Yes. But I have so much hope for the young people, for yeah. people I come across every day, for other activists. We're kind of... It's a wake-up call. It's a you can't, big wake-up call. Yeah, you can't just, like, rest easy on your laurels. You have to be active. You have to go out there. You have to vote. We can't assume that progress will happen. Right. We can't assume that by being what we feel is morally right, um, that those things will happen. Really interestingly, I've... Um, for the first time in my life, in the last couple of years, I, I'm not religious in any way, but I've worked with some multi-faith groups, mm -hmm. and I've worked with, um, uh, you know, Christians who are absolutely have this, share the same politics as me. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Like I've, I think I've been a bit more um, closed off to some of those things because I don't right. identify as having a faith. Right, and so I've kind of growing as a person. I'm like, yeah. actually, why would I? Why would I write off a faith group? Like, brilliant. Right. There's a whole bunch of people that we right. share really similar things. Like, we want to care for each other, have a, a, a society which really cares mm -hmm. for each other and um, is environmentally astute and wants to change the world. And I think, great, okay, they're allies. Whereas yeah. I think before I'd see them to be... Um, well, and I think, you know, the left... Uh, you know, we too can be intolerant. Yes, definitely. You know, we, and I think that needs to be addressed as well. Yes. It's yes. like, we can't just like blame all this intolerance, but be intolerant towards the intolerance. I just you couldn't know? agree more. And yeah. conversations where I have with friends who write huge swathes of the population off. Yeah. Now, in my artwork, I, I get, I'm so lucky because I travel all over the country and we talk to people all the time. And so I get to have these amazing conversations with yeah. other people about where they're, what they're thinking about and what, yeah. what they feel about what the What their story is. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, with that gives empathy, with that gives discussions that maybe that person's never had. Right. Maybe I've never had. I learn just as much as, as a, they have. As they have. Yeah. Like it's a proper interactive thing. And it's amazing, and you yeah. get to understand somebody else's viewpoint. So, more empathy. There's it's always a good thing. Somebody I've worked with in the past year, this amazing um, public philosopher called um, Roman Krasnerick. Oh, I'm sorry, that's my dog Marshall. in the background. <laughs> <Marshall>. <laughs> He's sat around the kitchen yeah. table, you can hear it. Um, but Roman... Um, created the, the world's first empathy museum. Wow. So Where is that located? Well, it's a kind of um, a, a museum. Well, it's a kind of idea and a concept, but in, in form, there's um, it's a travelling piece of work, a kind of travelling museum, oh, wow. and it's full of shoes, and you get to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. Wow. So you get fitted by a, someone that fits your shoes, and you put on headphones, and you walk around, and you walk for a mile, and you learn Brilliant. their story. So it could be a, a Bolivian sex worker, or it could be somebody that um, yeah. uh, sells fish in Newcastle. Like it was just, it's this amazing kind wow. of piece that 
we need more empathy, more compassion for each other. Yeah. More listening. Yeah. Like the left sure as hell needs to listen. Right. As much as right. the right. But yeah. if it's just if it's just this tribal um, uh, binarism, yeah, that's unhelpful. We we can do so much better than that. And art. I know I'm an artist, so I would that's say okay. this. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. It was like coming out now as an yeah. artist, but um, <laughs> like art can get over loads of those barriers yeah and shared experiences and conversation I think they're the dynamic things that change the world yes and closing yourself up to huge bunches of people is stupid in my book so I'm making it my mission to try and meet more people and talk more and have good conversations and we might not agree but you know I might I might go home and have a think and I might change my mind and they might do the same right or find some common ground. Yeah. Hugely important. And I think if, if we all did that, you yeah. know, loads of change would follow. You know, it's just small things that can have a big impact. Absolutely. You know, if we all do them. Marshall. Well, we should let Marshall out. <laughs> I'm going to let him out. All right. Thank you so much, Laura. Oh, it's such this a is pleasure. wonderful. Thank you for asking me. All right. Ciao. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bums, and see you next week. Thank you.